0: Well, let's turn to Nehemiah chapter 3. Now, our worship leader and our worship administrator, Sonia Thompson, they know that I like old school. So that's why you heard some of that old school today. And after the word, they have assembled a quartet to come and sing. Oh, I can't wait for that because they're going to sing the Canton spirituals. Now, now, again, some of y'all know what that is. Others we're gonna teach you today. Oh Lord, I can't wait. I can't wait. Mm, that's one of my favorite groups. Mm, mm, mm. All right. Let's preach real quick. Nehemiah chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Reading from the New King James. The Bible says, Then Eliashib, the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priests, and built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and hung its doors. They built as far as the Tower of the Hundred and consecrated it, then as far as the Tower of Hananel. Next to Eliashib, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachor the son of Emri, built. Also the sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. And next to them, Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz, made repairs. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, the son of mesh Hezazebel, made repairs. Next to them, Zadak, the son of Banah, made repairs. Next to them, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles, did not put their shoulders to the work of their Lord. Now chapter six, verse 15. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elah in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Amen. Well, let me talk today on the subject of I'm all in to do something great. I'm all in to do something great for God. Let's pray. Lord, it's for you that we want to do anything good or great. You're worthy of our best. And you put in us, Lord, this desire to honor you, for you work in us to will and to do of your good pleasure. And even here, Lord, in the local church, what we do, we do as unto you first and not unto man. And so, Lord, these days you've been working in this body for us to Get a little better connected, to get a little better organized, for each of us to understand our giftedness, our areas of serving, as well as to grow in community with one another. That church is so much more than Sunday morning. The Lord, we are the body of Christ, and so Lord, reteach us, starting with me. Let these scriptures be the authority for how we are to conduct ourselves, and not so much our traditions, which guide us. So Holy Spirit, break the yokes today. We saying that Jesus is enough. And because of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross and through his resurrection, we are free. We are free to be foolish. We are free to not know everything. We are free to fail, knowing that we are not failures because your spirit lives in us and he raises us up back on our feet. So through the gospel we find the boldness as well as the ability to be broken. So set us free. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You don't get the miracle of chapter six without going through the mobilization of chapter three. Chapter six is wonderful, where the people see God do a miracle, 52 days to put up a wall that portions of it is still standing to this day. Right. It's called the Wailing Wall. It's the wall that Nehemiah and his people built almost, I mean, oh, goes back beyond the time of Christ. And there's a remnant of that wall still standing because there was a group of people who decided to do something great for God. But what we see in chapter six, the miracle of God would never have happened without the mobilizing of God's people in Nehemiah chapter three. You see, God moved and he did a great thing in chapter six. But God won't move in chapter six Unless we move in chapter three. I'm going to say it this way. A lot of times we're waiting on God to move. And a lot of times God is waiting on us to move. Because God won't do for us what he empowered us to do. When Jesus walked up to the tomb of Lazarus, no one was expecting him to raise Lazarus from the dead. He was going to do the impossible. And so he tells the disciples to do what only they can do, which is you can roll the stone out the way. All, right. All 12 of you can get on that stone and you can move that thing, whether it weighs one ton, two ton, or three tons, you can roll it away. You can do your part. You can put your shoulder to the work and then leave room for me to do what only I can do, which is raise the dead. And there are things that God wants to do in our lives, but he's waiting on us to fall in line and to do what he's told us to do. Lord, I want to get out of debt. Okay, there are some things in my word that I've talked about that will help you to get out of debt. You want to see me do a miracle and eliminate these credit card bills and to bring this stuff down so that you can get back to giving? Well, let me tell you in my word, you need to give even now, even though you got bills and you got debt. Because I'm not going to change my word because of your circumstances. But when you obey me, watch me change your circumstances. So that's why the Bible says not to lean on your own understanding, because your own understanding and minds will collapse. That's why we're to acknowledge him in all of our ways and watch him do great miracles in our lives. You see, the people had to be organized because God operates in order and he blesses order. God operates in order and he blesses order. Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14, that God is not the author of confusion. I don't know if you're like me or not, but when I'm in my office and I'm trying to study, I can't study well when my office is cluttered. You know, I, I got to straighten my office up because, man, when it's just out of, I'm like, no, 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 let me, let me straighten it up. Let me put these books up where they belong so that I can study because there's something about order. Right. And when Sister Dorena comes home tonight about 9 or 10 o'clock, the house cannot look like what it looks like right now. <laughs> there's just something about order. The dishes will not be in the sink when she comes back tonight after having driven nine hours from Columbia, South Carolina. Can I get a witness? Because there's something about order. Because when it's not in order, I have seen that sister go. I can talk about it because she ain't here. I have seen that sister go off on the kids, go off on me. We ain't even got a dog, and she done went off on the dog. And <laughs> Order, order. Israel needed to be organized because God operates and blesses order. He operates in order. Israel had gone through 142 years of what I'm going to call a storming stage. They went through 140 years of a storming stage. And really, it's longer than that. But if we go from 586 B.C., to when Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came on the southern kingdom of Judah and destroyed its capital, destroyed the temple, knocked down the walls surrounding the city. That was 586 B.C. All the way up until the time when Nehemiah puts the walls up, which is in 444 B.C., you have a 142-year storming period where things just weren't right. There are people, but... They don't have their walls up, and having your walls up is a sign that you are a people who have your stuff together. If you got your walls up, that shows that you have planned and you have purpose, you have organized. But for all of that time, their walls were down. For 142 years of storming where the enemy is in the land, where the people of God were supposed to be in the land, but now they became the tail. They were no longer the head because of their disobedience to God. God sent them into captivity to get their attention. none like a jail cell or a 70-year Babylonian captivity to change your prayer life. And then God brought them back. But when they came back, inhabitants were in the land. And Samaritans were in the land. And the people were going through a storming stage. But before they could get to a norming stage, where everything is normal, where everything is back together, they had to go through a forming stage. So before they could get to things being normal, they just came out of a storm for 142 years. You just can't jump from a storm to norm. From a storm to normal, you've got to have a forming stage. And that works for whether you're in a relationship or you're dealing with something with your children, something on the job, something with your organization, and every organization goes through these phases of storming, forming, and norming. The nation of Israel went through a storming season, a forming season, and a norming season. Right now in the book of Nehemiah, they have to form, they have to organize. And Strong Tower Bible Church, like any other church, is going to go through seasons of storming, forming, and norming. This is our 21st year and if you've lived in the house for 21 years even if you brought it new at some point you've got to do some remodeling redecorating something in there got to be restructured fixed and so in a church you got to go through a season of forming and strong tower just came out of storming so when you come out of storming you just don't jump to norming right, right. you got to go back to the drawing board and you got to pull out the blueprint of scripture and you got to say okay Lord, Lay that foundation forth. What would you have us to be about? Let's pray. Let's seek the face of God. Because sometimes we jump from storming to norming and we build norming on a foundation that ain't right. Just like people who jump out of one relationship into another one and think that it's gonna change because they're with a new partner. Well, just because you change partners doesn't mean you learn new dance steps. Oh, that went right over your head. You'll get it at the cookout. Just because. You change partners don't mean you learn new dance steps. Sometimes you don't need to be in a relationship so you can work on you. So God can work on you. Somebody say, okay, Lord, you've been working on me for a long time. I'm ready now. Come on, Lord Jesus. You're able. Work it out. Strong tower is in a forming stage. We're working on our leadership. We're working on discipleship. Man, it's a good thing. But just like the people in Nehemiah's day, as they were putting up this wall, there was so much rubble they had to work with. And sometimes when there's a whole lot of rubble, it can wear you out because there's so much to do. The walls have been knocked down for 142 years, but we're going to use the same stones that were burned by the Babylonians, and we're going to put them back up again. But sometimes it can wear you out, and then when you have the enemy saying, I'm going to pounce on you here, I'm going to kill your leader over there, it can wear you out. And their joy got sucked out of them. And the Bible says in chapter 4 that Judah said, the tribe of Judah said, the strength of the laborers is working out, is wearing out during this forming stage. The strength of the laborers is wearing out because they hear about the enemy going to get them. The rubble is everywhere. And Judah said, the strength of the workers is wearing out. Now, if you notice in that passage, it doesn't say, and Issachar said. It doesn't say, and Dan said, or Reuben said. It said, and Judah said. Hmm. Why Judah? Judah means praise. Hmm. Judah was the tribe that always went out first whenever the Israelites would march because they would get in ranks, they would get in order, and they would march out. And Judah went first, which means praise goes first. So when you get up in the morning, there should be a praise on your lips to honor God before we start talking about problems and issues. Let me praise him first. When we come to church, there's a strategy. We come into his house singing, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Praise, Praise. but when your praise goes down, when your praise gets weak, Oh, you feel helpless and hopeless. And that's why he said, oh, God, may your joy be our strength. How do you get joy? In his presence. Jackie said it because in his presence there's fullness of joy. But to get that joy, you got to praise him because he inhabits the praises of his people. So no matter what you're going through in the forming stage, and, man, it has been tough at times for the elders and for the staff. As we're working through the rubble and all the things, 21 years, man, we're forming. But norming is coming. And then after norming, there's going to be some more storming. Then after storming, there's going to be some more forming. Then there's going to be some, am I talking about your marriage? Uh, am I talking about your finances? Oh, let me move on. It's getting too personal. See, I got Casilda here this morning. I've been in preach like a madman this morning. I got me some amens over here. <laughs> if I were to read all of Nehemiah chapter 3 to you, I struggled with these names And I've been to seminary, and I got a doctor's degree. I struggled. If I read this whole chapter, some of y'all be falling asleep. You'd be wondering what's going on. You would say, it's boring. Why read chapter 3 with all of these names in it? Because chapter 3 has 45 different names and groups of people listed. Chapter 3 has 47 different places mentioned with 10 different gates. The sheep gate, the fish gate, this gate, that gate, all of these details in chapter 3. 31 times the phrase next to them or after them is used because they're next to each other. They're working next to each other. So 31 times we see this phrase. And then 40 times the word repair, repaired, or made repairs is used. So this seems like a boring chapter, but I got to tell you, I get excited about this chapter. And you would get excited about it too. You know why? Because if your name was in this chapter, you want somebody to read it so that you can hear your name, that you was part of the work. But if you ain't part of the work, uh, you know. Now, again, I I talked about, I graduated in May. I got my doctorate. and, And man, let me tell you something. I was so excited when they called my name to sit through all of these names, and some of the names I knew, and I was happy for them. And all some of these other, I didn't know 98% of these people, but I was so happy because I knew my name was going to be called. Now, I was so excited that my name was called, I ended up bringing home the uh, brochure that has the commencement that has my name in it. I'm so excited. And my wife was so excited that she picked up about 15, 20 of these. <laughs> So I got some extras that we can give out. (laughs) I was so excited. My name was in the midst of all these names being called. But man, I knew I did the work. And man, it felt good to be honored. And if I lived during that time and Nehemiah wrote my name in a scroll that would eventually become the word of God, man, that makes you excited. I was so excited at my graduation. I don't need another white shirt. I got enough white shirts. But I bought this one because guess what? My name is on the back of this shirt right down here in the left corner, second row from the top, bottom. Yeah, I know it's boring to read all these names, but if your name is in there right. or your baby's name is in there, because some of y'all act a fool at graduation. The guy comes out and says, now when we do this, we hold your applause. And they try to tell you, just until everyone has come through Hold your applause. <laughs> then when they read your baby's name, yeah, you would have yeah. lost your mind. Up there. Woo, woo, go, go, go. Now, your name may not be in chapter three, but your name is in another book. All right. It's called the book of life. Right. And Jesus said, don't rejoice that y'all can cast out demons and stuff. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life because it didn't have to be written there. It's written there by grace and it's written in the blood of Jesus Christ. But I do have to offer this warning to you because there were some people in this chapter, in verse five, who didn't want to work when everybody else was working. So out of all of these people who did the work and helped out on the mission to put the walls up, there was one group who felt that they were too good to do any work, and their names are written right. The nobles didn't put their shoulder to the work of the Lord. So knowing the terror of the Lord, I gotta warn you, we're all going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, and we're gonna to have to give account for the things we've done in the body, this body and this body. Whether it's good or bad, we all are gonna to have to give an account because when he gives us a gift, Just like the talents, he expects us to use and invest the gifts. But when we don't use and invest the gifts, Jesus, oh, those are some tough parables. I'll leave them alone. I don't want to preach theology from the parables, but there's shame involved. The Bible says even in 1 Corinthians 3 that some people, when their works parade before the Lord, because he's going to judge all of our works, and his eyes are as a flaming fire, the book of Revelation says. The fire is going to test our works. And our works done for him in his name and with the right motive, is going to come forth as gold and silver and precious stones. The fire won't burn it up, it'll purify it. And then when we get those rewards back, we give them back to him as an act of worship. But some of us, because we don't want to do anything or we're doing it in the wrong name or for the wrong motives, when our works come by, they're going to burn up in his sight as wood, straw, and all of that. So Strong Tower, we have an opportunity. I'm just trying to help you out Mm. to use what your father gave you. Mm. Building the wall is like building the church. It takes everyone working together. The church is not a show. Mm. The church is not a club. Mm. The church is a family. When we work together, God can accomplish great things through us. One horse working by itself can pull a cart of 9,000 pounds, that's what I'm told. But two horses working together can pull a cart upwards of 27,000 pounds. So, two horses together have tripled their capacity than if they just work by themselves to pull a load. God designed it not for us to do it by ourselves, but for us to do it together, because when we do it together, the load gets a little bit lighter. So, from Nehemiah 3, let me give you three observations on how we can do great things for God, because listen I want to do something great for Jesus I just don't want to be like the guy who thought he was doing God a favor but by not using his talent no I want to be like those ones that when he gave me two I turned it into four I want to be like that one that when he gave me five I turned it into ten he gave me to whom much is given help me out much is required this church was not positioned in the darkest places of Nigeria This church was not, this particular church was not placed even in the toughest neighborhood in Detroit. This church was placed right here in this wealthy community with all of these blessed opportunities. And much has been given to us. And because of that, much is required of us what are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this opportunity? When I came to church with my children this morning, I didn't have to worry about persecution. When I came to church with my children this morning, I didn't have to worry about gun points and somebody stopping me to rob me or to even kill me because I'm going to church. I'm not in Russia going to an underground church. I can come freely. Much has been given. But the truth is, Those folks in those persecuted places many times are putting us to shame. They don't have a lot of electricity or air conditioning or pews or carpet or children's programs or even pulpits made of steel or Bibles with different verses. No, 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 no. They got a little bit. And, man, the last down here many times are first. Not only up there, God has an anointing on those places. So, Lord, may our muchness not put us to sleep in Zion. Maybe not just get that thing where, man, look, 21 years, I got just as much fire as in the first year of this church. Oh, my goodness. And I'm going to preach and I'm going to lead. We just say, though none go with me. Now, the definition of a leader is that somebody is following you, though. But we going. But I do believe I ain't the only zealot for Jesus up in here that's willing to kick against the culture and the current of the day. Oh, no, he did too much for me, for me just to be comfortable with his grace. So let me give you three things, man. I'm gonna take my seat. First thing is to do great things. We can do great things when we work according to our interests. God says, I'm gonna put it across the plate where you can hit it. This ain't gonna be a curve. I'm gonna put it right there. Pastor, why do you say that? Well, in chapter three, verse one, The priests rose up with Eliashib, the high priest, and they built the sheep gate and consecrated it. It's the only gate that was consecrated or anointed or dedicated unto God. Why is this gate of the ten the only one consecrated? Well, this is the gate that the sheep came through in order to go to the temple in order to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. So this gate was near the temple, and outside of the temple, they would keep the sheep. Remember when the shepherds were out in the field watching their their, uh, flock by night? So they would be out, but they would have to come in through the sheep gate in order to be sacrificed, and the priests were the ones to do the sacrificing of the sheep. So what they were interested in was doing Uh, The liturgical things The ceremonial things Because that was part of their calling And part of their job So they didn't build over there Where the fish gate was The merchants were over there And they were at the gate Ready to sell to Gentiles Who were coming near the city No, no, that's not what the priests do Their interest was with them sheep So the gate they put up Was the gate that they were interested in And one of the ways you find Fulfillment in church Is to understand what you're interested in Know what your gifts are from God, how he built you, how he wired you. Because when you can work in your interests, the work will not only be bearable, but it will even be enjoyable. Yes. The people who look like they've been baptized in lemon juice are people who are not working in their interests. Right. 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 And that's why we took the time. You know, church is broken up into upreach, inreach, outreach, and admin. You fit somewhere in there. You don't have to try to serve somewhere where you're not interested or gifted. And that's why Spider-Man is out there. I took the time. When I read chapter three and I saw all of them names written, the Holy Spirit came on me and said, write down all the names of the people in the church and where they serve. This one's by this gate. This one's by that door. This one is by that. And so that's why we had the last couple weeks, we're talking about gifts. We're talking about how this church is put together and you responded tremendously. And so it took me hours to write your name and where you signed up to work. Some of you signed up for where you are working, some of you signed up for where you want to work in this body. Because this church is a lot like how I grew up. If you gonna live here, you got a job to do. (laughs) My job was the trash. My dad had me, every time trash hit the floor, boy, Mm -hmm. I did the trash. That was my job. Then I graduated to cutting the grass. I graduated to washing the car. I had a bunch of jobs. We we have jobs in houses. If you try to be in a house and not work, you're not going to be in that house long because if you're going to be in a house, everybody's got a role to play. My wife and my mother, I've heard it said, ain't no maid around here. Lord have mercy. But that ain't the way it is today, which is why what we're going to attack in huddle groups on Wednesdays is the whole importance of having an I will perspective of I will serve, I will give, I will lay my life down. Not coming to church with an I want attitude. I want the singing to be like I want it to be. I want the degrees in the congregation. It's too hot. It's too, I want it my way. This ain't Burger King. Man, this ain't fun, Pastor. Move on to the next point. That point is even worse than the first point. <laughs> Number two, we can do great things not only when we're working in our interest. What do you like, man? Work in it. We can do great things for God when we work for our families. Now, verse 10, verse 23, and 28, talk about how when some of these people built, they built next to their house. So, okay, okay, Nehemiah, I got you, man. You got a vision. We're going to put these walls up. These walls haven't been up in decades. All right? I'm going to do some work. But I'm going to work where it's near my house. All right. Nehemiah said, that's okay, as long as you're working. Because in chapter 4, he's going to get him and say, okay, the wall is halfway up. The enemy is talking about coming to get us. But I want you all to fight. For your families, your husbands, your wives, your sons and your daughters. Because guess what? You might not fight for your neighbor, but you'll fight for your family. You may not want to work for somebody else. You know, that part of the wall that has no, you know, it it ain't by your house. But you're going to work by your own family's house. What's the point? In the body of Christ, in the words of Sister Sledge, We are family, and in the body of Christ, Jesus has baptized us by one spirit into the body where it's not about Jews and Greeks. It's not about men and women. It's not about slaves or free, because in this family, we've been given one spirit to drink. So if you know Jesus, I am your brother. And a lot of times your spiritual brother or sister can be closer than your biological brother or sister. Because Jesus said, who's my family? The ones who do the will of God. So just because somebody is black, that doesn't mean that they're necessarily my brother. But if you know Jesus, you are my brother, whether you're black, brown, white, whatever. And because of that, we have a position now in Christ where we are family. So what that means is I'm going to serve you because you're my family. Not Baptist family, not Kojic family, not Presbyterian family, but my spiritual brother and sister in the Lord. We can do great things for God when we work for our families. So when we come to church and we're here to help with the children, it's not that Those are your children, and they're your children. No, they are our children. Because that's why Paul said, when one part of the body suffers, just that section suffers. No, we all suffer. When one part of the body rejoices, just that part, no, no. When the body is healthy and not divided, it all rejoices. So we are our brothers and sisters keepers. So if we need you to help with children, don't look at it like, oh, man, they're sending me off to exile. Hopefully that's your interest. Hopefully you're gifted that way. Right. But it pains me when we have to go out. We need three more people for children. Mm. Holy Spirit talking to you, talking to you. You sitting there, I ain't going back there. I ain't going back there. <laughs> well, the Holy Spirit says, come on, let's go. Walk the streets, knock on doors, tell people about the Lord. No, I ain't going out there. Man, we need you to use your gift. Thirdly and finally, we can do great things for God when we work with good leaders. We can do good great things for God when we work with good leaders. We knew about Nehemiah. He was a good leader because he was a good follower. Before he started leading people, he was following the king. He took orders. And we got some people that want to lead, but they've never learned how to follow. Following prepares you to lead because it encourages you to treat people the way you want to be treated. Because when you don't have a good leader, it teaches you saying, I don't want to lead the way they're leading me. Mm. But Nehemiah was a good follower, so much so that the king said, I'm going to let you go. But man, set a date for when you're going to come back. Mm. You know you're a valuable asset to your job when they want you to come back when they let you leave, but some bosses, they're glad to see some of us go, because some are called, and some have went. They just got to go. He was a good leader because he had the favor of God on his life. Man, the favor of the king of all kings gave him favor with King Artaxerxes, And Nehemiah knew it. And it's a humble confidence and boldness when you walk knowing that the hand of God is on you. And you don't have to be a prophet or a governor or a pastor. You could just be a child of God and know that his hand is good upon you. You are anointed because you have God's spirit living in you. And when you show up, you are the light showing up in that darkness. When you show up, you are the salt showing up. When you show up, you are an ambassador. You are anointed by God. You have an advantage because of who is in you and whose name you're going in, whether you say it or not. This man was a good leader. He was a good leader because he was self-disciplined. He prayed, he fasted, and even when other people were taking advantage of the poor, he did not do that. He was a good leader because he was wise. He knew how to delegate. Oh, if there's one thing I'm learning all these years, when I was a young man, I could run around doing all kinds of stuff. I'm getting a little old now, and I can't do everything. I remember once we were doing an event with Reverend Denson's church, First Missionary Baptist, and we were out in Natchez doing something, and I'm running around lifting up equipment. I'm running around getting the water. I'm running around getting this. And, I'm running and Reverend Denson was just chilling off to the side, and he you know, in his late 60s or something like that. He just said, uh. So I come over to him. I'm young. I'm, you know, 30, you know, young, sprightly, got vigor. He said. He said, man, let your people serve. Let your people serve. Come on over here and stand with me. And so because I was kind of scared of Reverend Denson, I listened to him, and I came and I stood by him, and I tried to chill like he was chilling. But he taught me something that day. He was like, man, yes, you serve, but, man, teach your people how to serve. And the best way to do it is to delegate and give it to them. No, they may not do it the way you're going to do it, but that's all right. Let them do it because you didn't do it right the first time you did it and you still don't do it right all the time now. Let them make mistakes. Mm, that's too much, I know. And he was a good leader because the people responded to his vision. How long were the Jews in the land before Nehemiah came? How long were they there without walls? 72 years. But in 52 days, with the help of God, they were able to overcome what 72 years could not do. Because when you get an anointed leader that comes, some of you are praying for a good leader for your football team, your fantasy draft, or you know, we hope malarkey works out for the Titans. Some of you were watching Alabama yesterday and you saw that three to nothing lead that USC had, but you know you got Nick Saban. And something was going to happen. He was going to do that. He was going to coach. Because when you got a good coach, he can pull stuff out of you that you can't pull out of yourself. When you got a good teacher, a teacher can deposit stuff in you that you never thought you could learn. When you got a good pastor, pastor can encourage your heart in ways. Oh, now, he might get on your nerves sometime. That's good. That means I'm doing my job because I'm here to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. Let the church say Amen. <laughs> He was a good leader because he empowered other leaders to lead. These leaders led because they imitated Nehemiah. Nehemiah shows us that a leader is someone who rises to the occasion to serve others. That's what a leader you rise to serve. A leader rises to serve. Ma, ma, ma. Strong tower. I'm all in. And I believe we can do great things when we work according to our interests. If you don't know what your interest is, go online, take a spiritual gifts test, talk to somebody older than you and say, hey, what do you see in me? And man, work according to your interests because it's when you serve in your interest, your passion, your giftedness, that's when you grow. Work for our families and not just for yours. We can do great things when we work with good leaders the elders and I are just not the only leaders in this church. Right. Because if we're going to make disciples, what we're being called to do is make leaders. Right. So there's going to be some muscles flexed in you that maybe you've never used before here or in any church. But I encourage you, hang with us. Mm. Don't quit. All right. Say to yourself, I'm going to commit from now through the end of the year with what Pastor's putting out here to get involved and in using my gift. In outreach, in reach, outreach, and administration, I'm gonna get involved in huddle groups. I'm gonna get involved in discipleship hour. Just go from now through the end of the year. All right. Be a giver, mm. sir. Just, just, just go. And if it don't work for you, then go back to doing what you were doing. Mm. But you don't get chapter six without the hard work of chapter three. That's right. You want to see God do some miracles in this church? Right. Right. It pains me when I look around and see empty seats. Mm. I'm like, there's people out there in the world. Not from another aquarium, but in the world. We got to compel them to come into the house. There's work to be done in the city. But one person or three people can't do it. Mm. All of us. So I had coaches back in the day, man, they worked us so hard. Mm. And I didn't like them when they were working us. We had, and Deion Sanders understands this, you had summer practice. And we had two-a-days. And they will work you in the morning and they will work you in the evening. Mm. And I didn't like my coach, they would run us, run us, push ups, hitting drills, contact, oh man. But what happened was, if you were able to survive summer practice, and everybody couldn't survive, we had dudes quitting. We had dudes that said, man, it's too hard out there. They wanted to be on the team, but they didn't want to work. They quit. And the coaches are like, good. Why? Good. Because if you quit in practice, quit in the game. And I'm doing this to build some endurance in you so you won't quit in the game. And when we played our games, the games were easier than practice. Because I had a coach that said, you're going to work hard today. Johnny Pasteur and John Buckheister. oh my, the best coaches I ever had worked me. I don't know how long I've been your pastor. Maybe for six weeks. Maybe for six months. Some of you have been here for six years. Some of you have been pushing double digits. Wow. But I'm here to let you know if I had a whistle around my neck, I'd blow it. And i say, line up, line up. There's work to do for Jesus. We can do great things for him. Don't quit on me. Hang in there. We got some work to do. Don't quit. Hang in there. Because when we see what God does, we're going to look back and say, thank him for the forming stage all right. mm, thank you for the forming stage because that's when we got our stuff together now we got the norming and it just ain't normal now he doing miracles all up in here and he's using us in ways. listen there's someone in our church i had asked them a while back would you just pray in public i terrified them and didn't know i terrified them they had never prayed in public and so they told me last week Remember when you asked me to pray in public? I said, no, I remember that. But yeah, you asked me and I was scared. And I looked at them like, you were scared to pray in public? Because every time I hear you and see you, you praying in public. But it started when they got stretched a little bit. My name is Coach Pastor and I approve (laughs) this message. Come on up here, Quartet. I need Jesus to fix it. Anybody glad they got Jesus? I'm glad I got him I'm glad I but I'm so glad he got me so brothers do what you gotta do take my shirt with my name on it